Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's open talk with HP's HR experts. My name is Matomi, and I'm the B-Scoop Community Manager for Asia Pacific and Japan. Today, we are very fortunate. We have three lovely ladies from the HP HR team. Uh, they are Sojanya Reddy, Head of Human Resources, Greater Asia. Shelly Rajpal, Head of Human Resources, Singapore. Talia Teo, Talent Acquisition Director, Greater Asia, China and India. I'm just going to give a brief uh, overview of every one of these individual speakers and then allow them to say a quick hello to everyone before we begin. So Saljanya is actually a results-driven executive with more than 20 years of experience impacting the performance and profitability of fast-paced companies. She has a successful track record of driving strategic transformations within manufacturing, IT, healthcare services, and product development firms. Saljanya joined HP in February 2011 and has served as the Worldwide HR Director for Global Business Services, which had 18,000 employees across 58 countries. Effective November 2015, she joined HP Inc. as the Country HR Director for India and subsequently moved to Singapore to take on the APJ Regional Head of HR role in January 2019. With the change you know, to the current market model, Saljanya now leads HR for the Greater Asia market. Besides you know, um, her corporate function, she also serves on the advisory council of SHRN for Southeast Asia. Let's say a quick hello to Saljanya. Hello, Saljanya. Hello, everyone. So glad to be here. Looking forward to a very interactive session with you. Thank you. See you back, Shelly. <laughs> and then we have Shelly. So Shelly is the head of HR for HP Singapore in the Asia Pacific and Japan region and a member of the Singapore leadership team. As head of HR, Shelly's focus is to create an agile organization that outperforms the market by creating an inclusive environment where diverse, bright talent comes, thrives, and continuously innovates. Shelly has with her over 15 years of international experience, driving employee performance and engagement for global industry leaders um, across large cross-functional employee populations. Her career has been grounded in human resources since its inception, with HR generalist roles for leading B2B and consumer organizations across sectors such as IBM, the Taj Mahal Group, Setian and Wipro, both in Australia and in India. She joined HP in 2011 and advanced to the current role of Head of HR for Singapore, leading people's strategy operations for its Greater Asia headquarters. Hello, Shelley. Good to have you here. Hi, good afternoon and good morning to everybody. Happy to be here and looking forward to this session. Thank you. See you back shortly. And next, we have Talia Thiel. So Talia has over 20 years of experience in both regional and country HR leadership roles with startups, public listed MNCs, MNAs, private owned companies and groups. Her key expertise includes HR business partnering, OD and change management, talent management and acquisition. So in the current role as talent acquisition director with HP Inc, she provides thought leadership in shaping up team across greater Asia, China and India to bring the company's mission to life. She's deeply passionate about aligning talent and leadership development with business strategies, concurrently transforming and optimizing potential of both people and business. Hello, Talia. 
Hi. Good day, everyone. Look forward to speaking with every one of you. Thank you. So next up, I'll just run through some uh, very simple uh, housekeeping rules for everyone, just so that you're aware that everyone will be put on mute throughout the webinar. But we want to learn from you and hear you know, what you think. So because this session was built specifically for you, our DSCOOP members, so make use of this opportunity to post your questions or comments using the Q&A window. Or alternatively, you can use the raise hand option if you want to share your questions verbally to our panelists. We will try to take as many questions live as possible. But in any case, um, if, you, if you did miss some of it or you know, you're not able to follow through um, some of the questions, it will be made available to you on vscoop.com later on since we are recording the webinar session. And do follow us on vscoop podcast. Um, all the sessions that we do currently uh, will also be available to you in a form of podcast, whether you use Spotify, Apple Podcast. And if you have any additional questions after the webinar, please send them to me and young at vscoop.org or email us at hello at vscoop.org. So just before we move uh, to the speakers, I have a little surprise for everyone. So as you know, today we are expecting, you know, the HR experts from the HP team. But our good friends, uh, Oran and Dan from the HP Industrial Graphic Arts team has also taken time off to join us to support um, as panelists, just in case, you know, we have um, some business related questions. So um, I shall like everyone to make good use of the time that we have with the three um, HR experts. So we'll move on to some of the pre-submitted questions um, that I received from members prior to this session. So launching the first uh, question shortly. So uh, one of the members that I spoke to um, talked about, re uh, you know, reading about companies hiring, onboarding, and sending assets such as laptop to people who work remotely. So in this current situation, companies are also looking at how they can effectively screen candidates without meeting in person. And also, he would like to restructure his current business model to attract the younger generation. And what are the important elements to do so? So I would like to um, have uh, Talia to take on these questions. Talia, please. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Motomi. Yes, um, I think we are all in a similar situation. Um, I, I read upon, about an article that mentioned that um, are you a normal uh, leader, are we a normal leader or are we a new uh, normal leader? Uh, in fact, um, with this um, situation right now, I think it is more an accelerant uh, for all of us to transfer whatever that we are doing um, on-site to online and virtually. So I appreciate the two questions relatively around um, looking at how we hire people, how do we onboard everyone, and even looking at attracting uh, young talent. So I think first thing first would be um, like what we are doing now, really turning on our camera. And if we look at um, the number of um, situations that we are currently facing uh, when we are trying to hire and attract uh, people to the organization, you want to be very um, deliberate, intentional, and targeted. What, what I really meant by that is that while you turn on your camera first, hopefully um, your PC allows that to happen, um, that also encourages um, the candidates to also turn on theirs. And as a result of that, hopefully um, the two parties are able to converse. And if you happen to do a panel interview, that also allows the opportunity for 
the, the entire panel interview to interact with the candidates. And this, this is when you want to watch uh, facial expression, you want to watch um, body language, and you want to observe um, how the candidates articulate. Right? Um, it is obviously around the experience that we want to bring about with the candidate, though we might not necessarily have hired them. We want to make sure that they feel as comfortable as they are as you are probing some of those questions. I would also encourage um, all of you to think about um, asking behavioral questions, right? It's definitely something that we want to be mindful. Instead of asking close-ended questions, avoid asking like, what is your biggest uh, weakness? Or, or perhaps um, I, would, I would recommend, highly recommend, ask something like, what is the biggest in misinterpretation that you have in a project that you manage? And coming from a talent acquisition standpoint, um, with my recruiters, actually, they have a set of online questions or, on, or questions that's ongoing and we can transfer that online for them to use it to test it with the candidates. And I will also recommend all of you to think about using the STAR approach. And I call this the STAR approach. STAR stands for S for situation, T for task, A for action, R for result. And what I really meant by that is, when you're asking all these open-ended behavioral or situational question, you want to describe a situation to the candidates so that allow them to imagine themselves in the task that they are needed to accomplish. So first thing first, ask for situation. So give them an example like, you know, if you are given, if you are in a specific event or situation, um, how would you um, describe some of the experiences that you have um, overcome and the hurdles that you have taken on and what are some of the key learnings? So this, uh, this is just a few questions to help you kickstart in terms of a situational or behavioral question. Right? T stands for task. Um, the question that you want to bring about to the candidates would be what are some of the immediate goals that you are working on? Or what were some of the previous goals that you worked on that led you to failure? And how did you overcome and bounce back? A for action. And I would encourage you to consider asking questions around the actions that the candidates have taken to address the situation with an appropriate amount of um, details. Um, keep the focus on the candidate, right? Um, what specific steps the candidate has taken uh, what were some of the particular contribution the candidates have considered when they implemented into the action, right? So this is again a very open-ended question because when they are answering those questions, you really want to practice active listening. And this is where, as part of our leadership traits, uh, we need to be more mindful when you have less intuition to observe candidates' body language, especially sometimes we cannot assume all candidates will come on with a PC that allow them to turn on their camera. Sometimes it could be just screening candidates over a phone call, especially when we are hiring candidates from remote country that they might not necessarily turn on the camera. So this is where we will have to practice active listening to listen to some of this cue, listen to some of those answers. And if we don't get the answers that we want to hear, it's not so much about right or wrong answer, but the answer for you to assess whether they fit to your culture, whether they fit to the role that you are looking for. And R stands for result. 
I would encourage and recommend you to consider describing an outcome that potentially maybe in your current business situation, um, without revealing some of the confidentiality, um, describing the, the, the outcome of the action and raise it with the candidates. What would be some of the behaviors or action that the candidates would take if they land into a situation where um, the bosses are not around, when the managers are not around, they by themselves, how do they, how do they handle those events? How do they handle the situation? What were some of the accomplishments that they get out of um, you know that? So that is again, R stands for result. This is where you want, hopefully with STAR approach, S-T-A-R, that you get the answers that you want to assess and help you um, sort of put together a more constructive feedback. Coming to panel interview, and I encourage that uh, you do have panel interview because you don't want to just rely uh, on one person to decide or diagnose whether that is the, the, suitability, the suitability of the candidate. So I encourage you to also think about having peer interviews or having uh, one of your staff to do interviews, or you could consider a panel interview. The tricky part of a panel interview would be, think about um, not to be overpowering and overwhelming for the candidates, especially if you are interviewing one candidate. Um, I would recommend, well, three, all right? If you only have two, so be it. But if there are three, then uh, I think that's a good size. Having five could be a little bit overwhelming. So you might want to consider the type of the industry that you're in, the type of business that you're in. Uh, three will be a good size. And you want to also consider the, the diversity of the panel interviewer as well. So make sure that whoever that you're hiring, because I'm mindful of the next question that Motomi has here, is how do we attract young talent? And that brings me to my next point. If you are trying to attract younger talent, actually in all matter, we're all young. Um, it's not just about the number that uh, sort of put us at different stage of our life, right? Um, you want to have a diverse panel interviewers so that the talent or the candidates that you're trying to attract see the variety of um, people that is in the organization. People like to see like-minded people or people like to see that people of the same or similar generation to work in the industry or in the company. So I would also encourage you to consider that. And attracting young talent, well, in fact, that includes attracting experienced talent. Um, I would say start from, I mean, given that we are all moving everything to digital and I know um, digital is not something that is new, new for us, but because of this pandemic, it has sort of accelerated for us to transform the way we work. All right, we always think that, okay, we, have, we know digital is important. Uh, we'll deal with it like one year later or six months later. But now with the pandemic, it sort of accelerated the whole um, you know, uh, speed for us. So what I'm about to say is that attracting talent, whether it's young or someone more experienced, actually, I would say starting from brand. And brand is about... Well, I'm personally very passionate about brand. It starts from as much as even social media, as simple as social media, like Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, all right? Um, in fact, uh, we at HP have started um, to hire people a lot through LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that you have a LinkedIn profile that's up to date. 
I guarantee you these days, whoever that you are hiring, whether it's experienced or young talent, they actually look you up. They search your profile on LinkedIn. Or sometimes they even go on the Google mechanism and they search. They just type in your name and see what pops up. All right, so in HP, actually we use a lot of social media. We promote our brand um, in Facebook as well, especially coming to young talent. Uh, you might want to consider about, um, apart from promoting uh, your brand, um, about what you do, uh, think about the people events, all right? Uh, I like to believe that currently you might have um, people um, engagement in your organization, anything that's non-confidential, you might want to post those pictures or even videos. And I have a few sentences to describe the culture, how people work, all right? What is it like working for ABC company or XYZ organization? Right, say a few liners, and you need to also do this on an ongoing basis. So have a very targeted plan, whether you do it once a week, once every two weeks, and plan it out on different topics, whether this week I'm promoting culture, or second week I'll be promoting about um, the, the technology or the tools that we are using. Right? Or third week, I want to promote about how I onboard uh, people onto the organization. Right? Um, onboarding is something, again, a big shift for us. Uh, we are beginning to dispatch, in fact, already started uh, dispatching laptops through um, couriers and, and have a IT to support them remotely to help them step up. So going back to attracting talent, whether it's young or experienced, social media is one big thing. And I would also encourage you to consider um, internship, right? Um, depending on the location that you are based, uh, whether you have summer interns where it's about two to three months, or in some location that you're in, you could allow a longer internship, perhaps like six months, for instance. And think about stretching a little bit. I would encourage you to stretch the thinking a little bit um, longer. What, what if you hire someone that is already at the year of their final graduate, I mean, close to their final year, and they are about to graduate? So assuming if you hire me as an intern and I'm graduate, graduating six months later, which is in December, and if you think I'm really an elite or decent performer, you want to really hire me because I'm young, I come across hip. Yeah, so this is where you want to think about getting your budget ready so that six months later, you're able to present an offer letter in front of me so that I get enticed and enthusiastic by it and be ready to start work with you like in January or February, all right? Um, I will stop here. I'm not sure whether there's any reaction um, any feedback or anything that I need to elaborate more? I, I don't see anyone uh, typing any follow-up yet, but I guess we can continue. Certainly towards um, the, the next few minutes, I believe there will be more questions coming up. And then uh, maybe we can invite Italia to elaborate later on. If, okay. um, if, if there is a specific um, question as a follow-up to what you have just shared, I think you did um, cover, you know, the entire um, perspective of how to actually onboard these candidates and also to screen and, you know, to hire them. So, yeah, yeah I'm I think... To, I think uh, hmm. So, I'm happy to elaborate more if need to, hmm. uh, for instance, like onboarding as well. So, uh, while it's all virtual, we want to make sure that um, we don't feel overwhelming that everything is on the manager as well. So do consider, apart from having PC being shipped out early, um, I think one of the most important thing is to really nominate an onboarding buddy if your organization allows it to happen. Having someone to work with you 
so that you don't feel like everything is on you. And this onboarding uh, buddy or mentor, whatever you call it, can help you to connect with the new employee by phone or even by email through introduction to just uh, give them a high level gloss over um, in terms of what to expect on day one. And one, when it comes to day one, right, I would encourage that do a virtual welcome. Yeah, um, on board new employees, I mean, without face-to-face, -face, um, definitely it's a lot more harder. But we want to ensure the whole lot of great experience that we are focusing on the employees so that the employees feel welcome. So employee, um, earlier on, I talked about candidate experience, but over here is really employee experience on day one. Um, you know, having a virtual one, if, they, if we all can turn on camera, all well and good. For people who cannot, it's okay. We don't need to let them feel uh, left out. I think it's very important that we allow them to feel inclusive. And my, uh, my, I mean, mind you, uh, but in fact, for all of us, me included, right? Whenever I have team meetings and we are all working from home largely. Um, sometimes you have um, children that is crying in the background, um, you know, neighbors is doing renovation and there's construction work, work going on. It's okay. I think as um, managers, uh, we need to allow them and accept that and let them feel inclusive. It's okay. Come on, why don't you bring your child on? Maybe your child will say hello to all of us. I think that's also a simple way to allow the employee to feel inclusive and, and allow the employee to feel that this, this is a new norm. We just need to accept that this is how we engage. Obviously, the whole lot of orientation about learning about your company, having um, your organization chart ready, um, introducing your products and services, or if there's any mandatory training that your business needs to allow the new employees to complete, this on onboarding buddy or mentor will be able to help conceptualize and put it into agenda and help you as a hiring manager to onboard this employee. Schedule virtual happy hours or coffee talks as well, right, in between the of the day. And, and make sure that it's, you know, there's fun engagement. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't feel like very monotonous. I'm keep staring. I, I, no, I, I will, when I come to meeting, I will only keep staring at the screen or looking at PowerPoint deck. So you want to consider some um, you know, different fun engagements as well to um, onboard your employees or even to embed and integrate this to your existing employees. It doesn't necessarily that you are restricting this just to, uh, for new employees, but for the sake of onboarding topic, I thought this could be a relevant point of view. Very interesting. I think we can try to incorporate more games, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. To, to make employees feel at home. E yes. I mean, even if they are functioning from home, but um, it's a way of, you know, getting them connected back again. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Talia. Thank you, so I'll, yeah, I'll move on to the next question. Uh, so several members actually are, you know, facing this uh, similar issue. We've been trying to keep our business going beyond like um, COVID-19. However, with all this negative news surrounding us every day, we notice that our employees are not as motivated as before. So how can we transfer more positivity in the company? So would Shelly take this question? Yeah, I'll take this. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to start with sharing a quote which our founding members, um, you know, had said it's probably 70 75 years ago it says the biggest competitive advantage is to do the right thing at the worst time and at hp we really believe that when our employees thrive so does our business and hence whatever 
we do, we keep employee experience at the heart and center of it. So just to give you an example, um, when we moved, not we as a company, but when the whole world just moved into this current state of things, we literally had to reinvent full circle each and everything how we did in HR, whether it was the way you hired, the way you engaged with the employees, um, what sort of different learning programs and how could you, you know, have different ways of engaging the manager one-to-one -one sessions because at work is very different. You go there, you have your water cooler conversations, you meet up with them, you see the whole body language, you're meeting with the person and not everything gets done over the email. But when we came into this phase, what we did was, and we were already hearing from our managers, from our employees, from the ground of what is the kind of feedback that was coming to us, what was the need at that point in time, whether it was psychologically uh, or any fear, any apprehension, any concern. So what we did, we actually came up with a calendar and it's nothing else, but we called it HP Spirit Calendar. And we actually launched loads and loads of initiatives, but what we did was we gave some structure to it. And basically how we did that was we took our work week and we divided the days. So for example, it's motivational Mondays, um, learning Tuesdays, wellness Wednesdays, thoughtful Thursdays, and fun Fridays because everybody loves Friday. And there were a whole lot of initiatives under each of these buckets, which was rolled out at a global scale. But what each of the countries also did was because one size doesn't necessarily fit all, we customized each of the country very specific. So just to give you some example, because I'm the Singapore lead of what things were done in Singapore under these different buckets. While we were thinking through what we were very sure was that we don't want this to be a push method. Push in the sense when you are just trying to launch initi initiatives and you're just pushing them down. We wanted them to be, you know, um, uh, we wanted our employees to actually take on and be engaged because we were noticing that employees were feeling the screen fatigue um, or the whole day, you know, being with the children, doing home-based learning. So we were listening to all these things. So for example, we launched something um, which will be getting launched in the next couple of weeks. It's work in progress right now. We are organizing a magic show for our employees who have kids in that age group of, you know, um, five to eight years of age with a very simple thought process because this whole calendar was put in place so that our employees and their families are healthy, safe, and productive. And that particular magic show was that, okay, at least our employees will get that half an hour away from the kids in the sense that the kids would be engaged, they will be happy and they will be, you know, getting into it. Um, we organized um, Zoom. So everybody is literally working from home and suddenly what we realized and we were hearing from different people that, you know what, my IT, I'm getting calls are dropping. 
and there is poor connection there is lag because when you are using a video there is a lot more data which is uploading and downloading so we partnered with our it department and we organized sessions for our employees just to tell them simple hacks that what you should be doing at home when you're working from home so you know which is making their life more easier um, we organized and that was on a global scale we organized reimbursements for our employees so that at least we could ease their physical strain so we said okay you will get one time reimbursement uh, for you to buy a chair or a hp display monitor whichever or, or both of them you know if uh, it could actually come in that particular budget um again the mothers day uh, just went by the fathers day when we organized events what is important to note is that when you are organizing any such activity and it can be done for a small scale organization or a big scale organization you need to keep in mind what is the makeup of your workforce and when i say that it literally translates to what are the demographics so is it uh, do you have different kind of age groups which are there because something which might interest a millennial in my organization necessarily will not you know go well with a different age group so for example uh, we also organized um, a gaming you know uh, contest uh, for again our employees and their kids who could actually participate in that particular age group we organized um, under the wellness pillar we basically define that under three uh, buckets again it's uh, your physical your emotional health and you have your financial health you know uh, the employees were hearing a lot of uh, news in the market from their friends that you know this is the right time to buy stocks so we organized a session with one of the experts who just came in and spoke about the entire concept of what you should be doing what are the do's and don'ts similarly in the wellness uh, we launched an array of activities uh, in terms of okay we'll organize a yoga session but what we also did was that we got our leaders to come in and you know walk the talk so it was not that uh, so it was more encouraging and people were kind of more intrigued that hey my leader in this country is actually going to be uh, conducting this session or hosting so again various activities and just to um, you know i'll just mention one more activity for example um, we did uh, virtual you know zoom photo exhibition sessions which were fun and when we selected the best top 10 from the you know singapore leadership team then we circulated those photographs with different leaders and we said you know what it will be great if you have that as a background um when you are doing your team meetings again if your laptop supports that uh but one thing which is very key is amongst all these things the communication that was given to employees was very transparent um and it was very often because we never wanted we were okay to err on the over communicating side rather not to communicate and let our employees think that what about this or that 
So yes, um, these are the few things, and I'm happy to you know elaborate further if any questions down the line. Over to you, Motomi. Thank you, Shelley, for the you know all the interesting insights about what HP as an organization did with the calendar activities. I think very very insightful. Thank you. So we'll move on to another question. I am the second generation in the business, and some people have been working for us since my father's time. So we were able to keep them for old time's sake. But in view of the current situation, I need to let them go. So we value relationships and respect people who are older and more experienced. So I am now in a dilemma. So can I invite Saljanya to take this question? Saljanya, I think uh, you probably need to unmute. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> no worries. That's, thank you for asking this question. It's a very good one. And uh, every business uh, in their evolution will be faced with the situation, regardless of your size, large, small, medium, you're going to have these questions uh, pop up. Um, and it's a tough, uh, it's going to be a tough answer. You may not even like what I'm going to say, but I'll tell you how being a small business owner myself, and being part of a larger corporation, how we deal with it. The first and foremost uh, tip I can give you is focus on winning and capturing the hearts and minds of your employees, right? When you do that, right, it's about you build bridges of trust, right? When people trust you, right, they are more receptive to embrace what you're going to tell them right? Particularly bad news. And I think this is one thing that H we at HP as a culture have done well, right? Uh, we've been very transparent, whether that's been good news or bad news. And from a standpoint of sharing, when a senior member of our team is leaving the organization, either retiring or moving for a better opportunity to another organization. We've been transparent with about the reason why this person is leaving, right? And wishing him or her really well, right? Two, telling Wall Street that, hey, our business performance isn't looking great, right? And to start our transformation journey, we will probably be making a few thousand jobs redundant. Right. So we've been very transparent in terms of communicating this to our employees. So over time, we've built this relationship based on trust. Right. And so when we go out and deliver bad news, people understand. And typically the reaction we get is how can we help? Right. How can we help? So the important thing to remember in your personal lives and professional lives technology is always going to disrupt it, right? So the choice is, do you want to disrupt or do you want to get disrupted, right? Now, sometimes what happens is when you're behind in terms of your own digital journeys, and I can tell you, even with all of our resources, with being a Fortune 100 company, we tend to do, you know, we, we didn't move fast enough either. 
because we're busy scaling our business during the growth times, right? And then when when the market started to go uh, down, we realized that you know this was a, our, we took our eyes off our digital journey, right? So we needed to create capacity to invest. And what does that mean? We needed to start to make jobs redundant, automate the lower level jobs and release that capacity to put into technology, to automation, robotics, data science, et cetera, right? So the choice point for every business will be, do, do I want to make five jobs redundant, release capacity to put into technology, right? To automate or be resistant to that change and down the line maybe reduce 50 jobs, right? So these are choice points, right? What we try to focus on in HP is what are the opportunities that this pandemic or this crisis presents to us and how can we leverage them? So for example, our digital business took off way faster than we anticipated, right? We had a, a two-year growth plan, three-year growth plan, et cetera. But with everybody moving to work from home, guess what happened to our business, right? We just couldn't scale fast enough, right? So how can we further invest and leverage that opportunity and help our partners on their own digital journeys through training, education, et cetera, right? Has been a focus for us, right? Um, so instead of being paralyzed by the negative impact of the pandemic, I encourage you to think about how can you leverage the opportunities that this pandemic is presenting? Very well answered, Saujanya. Uh, I just think I have another question that probably uh, kind of like supplements the one that I've just cast. So yep. it's not so much about um, second generation taking over the business and having to let people go. But right now, we're, we're seeing more and more mergers and acquisitions. So uh, for this member, a bigger company has actually offered to buy over theirs. And if they agree, some people may be made redundant by the new company. They do not know who and how many people will be affected. And many of these employees have actually worked for them for more than 10 years. So it may seem a little unfair that they could lose their job during this difficult period. What should they, um, you know, as a current employer do? Yeah, hmm. I completely agree, right? Uh, yeah. it, it does seem unfair, but I think as an entrepreneur, and I've been an entrepreneur myself, you have to be very clear about your exit strategy. What does that strategy mean to you, right? Does that mean you'll sell to a bigger player when you're 10 million in revenue? Does that mean you will grow your company to you know, a billion dollars, right? Or do you want to exit when you're 2 million, right? So you as an entrepreneur have to be true to that vision that you have. Right? And there is no right or wrong um, exit strategy. It is your strategy. This is why you put the company together and, and you, know, you know exactly what you're working towards. So if your strategy has always been to sell to a larger player, right? at some point in time, you will have to 
talk or speak with your employees about the strategy, right? Because clearly, whatever strategy you choose, it has its benefits, right? Whether you whether you sell to a, a larger player who has the capacity and the a financial wherewithal to invest and scale the company and help people grow with them, or whether you want to grow into a billion-dollar company and therefore, you know, help people scale their own skill sets, upgrade their skill sets, and scale the company. Right. So, if you can talk about the benefits of whatever your exit strategy or decision or vision is, um, and help people understand why you know, or the rationale behind your decision to sell to a larger player, that's a first step, right? And over time, you kind of help people to transition because some people will be able to upgrade their skill set and fit in the new culture, right? Some people will say, hey, this isn't the company I want to be part of. I will go find another company to go where I fit better, right? And they will move. But I think the important thing is to help them get ready for that transition, right? So if they decide to stay and upgrade their skills, provide them with the training they need to upskill themselves. If they decide to move on, right, help them find, like what we do in HP is actually partner with a, a transition um, services company, right, where they come in and help the people that have decided to move on, right? Build a resume, right? Introduce them to opportunities that they see in the market, help them to prepare for interviews, right? Put together a, a severance package that will help them through this tough time as they make the transition so that they're financially less impacted, right? And then they, we ensure that our leaders treat our exiting employees with respect, with dignity, with appreciation for all of their contributions, right, to the success of our company, right? And, and I go back to my previous point. These are the things we do to ensure that we win the minds and hearts of our people, right? So when they leave our company, they still remain ambassadors of HP. Right? So yes, these are all tough decisions, but the moment you start to include your employees in that process of explaining the decision, of helping them prepare for their transition based on what decisions they've made, I think it, it, it becomes easier right, to partner with your employees um, and help them land better. Thank you. Very well answered, Saljania. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to stop my screen share for a bit. I see, I do see some questions coming in. Then I will also maybe take this opportunity to allow the panelists to have a little bit more direct interaction with our audience. So, um, following some of the earlier questions, uh, there was uh, one of the participants have asked. Do you consider psychological tests as being still essential to evaluate applicants today, since uh, most of the job applications now are going online? Yep, and I can take that one, um, Talia. <laughs> Please, Talia. Right. Um, I know there are many, many uh, psychometric uh, tools available even before the pandemic situation. 
Um, so I would say this, um, yes, if you have um, existing tool uh, and you don't want to waste it, definitely by all means, um, you, know, you could leverage. But what I would say is that I would not rely totally on this tool to decide who I want to hire. All right, so the interviewing is still very, very important. The dialogue that you have with the candidates is still very relevant. Right. And earlier on, I pointed out um, and recommended um, having a panel interviewer, uh, a panel interview. That, with that, actually, you can also put together a, a, a simple score assessment between, let's say, if you are having um, three of them um, interviewing the same candidates to get them also pan it down in terms of the feedback. And you want to make sure that um, if you are if there are three panelists doing the interview at the same time, making sure that you're not asking the same question. So plan it out. If there are 10 questions that needed to be asked, make sure that one interviewer is getting three or four questions and the other two or uh, the third interviewer does not repeat the same question. And with that, you can put together an assessment in terms of an input. So in a nutshell or in summary, I would say that I would not rely 100% totally on psychometric tools or psychological tools to determine the candidate that I want to hire. I will go, maybe psychometric tools or psychological tools, they just want to complement the interview assessment. Very great, thank you, Talia. And um, some additional questions uh, that have come in. So one member is now trying to move his business digital. So you, you would find that uh, most of the roles uh, of his employees will need to be adjusted. And this change would need them to get familiar with handling orders and requests online and also getting the orders delivered without meeting customers in person. How can we make these employees feel comfortable and motivated to learn during this transition? I can take that question, Matomi. Great, Sajanya. All right. So I think there's, we've got to understand when a company is um, changing or being disrupted by technology, there will always be this discomfort and anxiety that employees go through because they don't have the skill set. They don't have future-ready skills. Uh, it's all part of being human. All of us will go through that, right? But what is important for us as entrepreneurs or HR folks or leaders in a company, I think is to understand and acknowledge that that transition to go from where you are to the new skills that you need to be future ready is, can be anxious, acknowledge that. So then the, the employee starts to feel comfortable and then let them know that here are all the things you can do, right? Um, to enhance or upgrade your skills. Here's what the company is providing you. And here are some online resources that you can go on your own and acquire these skills that are needed, right? And you've got to explain to them what's in it for them, right? In terms of acquiring future-ready skills, right? That'll help them be fungible, not only in their industry, but across other industries as well. Right. So help them make that journey. Now, I have to tell you that once you've done that and and help them with, you know, the uh, skills or the programs that they can utilize within the company or external, 
it doesn't mean that all of them can make that journey, right? They, there will be people or employees that will traverse that journey enthusiastically. There will be some people who will be reluctant and they just need that nudge or a little bit of an you know, arm twisting uh, to get them there. And then there'll be some who will just absolutely resist it. And that's okay, right? Sometimes they're just too set in their ways and maybe need to go find a company where they fit better, right? Um, but you will see that happen. This people in all these three buckets that I just talked about. The goal for us as a company is always to take everybody along because people will process change at different speeds. You have to remember that, right? Just because you say this is, hey, I point to the, in this direction and say go, not everybody is going to go that direction, right? So the intent should always be to take everyone along with you, but know that while that intent exists, there will be people who will just drop off and won't want to be part of, your, of that journey. And that's also okay, right? Um, so, so that's, that's you know, what, uh, how we've dealt with in the, you know, the changing uh, needs in terms of whether that's learning or technology, um, both in, in uh, HP as well as you know, when I was an entrepreneur myself. We've heard you know, uh, many of these uh, great practices that HP as an organization has implemented. I would say particularly during this, um, this period, and there is a question about, you know, HP as an organization, whether you're thinking of going digital to reduce travel-related costs after COVID-19, or will you go back to traveling and face-to-face -face meetings? I can take that question, Matomi. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think the pandemic has changed everything for us, right? Not just for HP, but for every company right from the way we hire people, the way we travel, the way we engage with our workforce. I can't even imagine going back to the way we used to do it now. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. So we would fly into a country, right, for two and a half days, let's say Indonesia or Malaysia, right? Meet as many people we, we could, you know, the top talent folks, women talent, all of our leaders, uh, we'll do a coffee talk, um, et cetera, et cetera, and then fly back, right? Um, think about it. Today, when we have um, an all-employee meeting, right? Normally, when we go into countries or we ask for an all-employee meeting, space limits the number of people we can meet, right? Whereas the most recent one we had last month, we were able to reach out to 1,800 people within one shot, right? People asking questions, typing questions into the chat room. I mean, we would never have been able to do that had we actually decided to hold this session in an auditorium in Singapore, right? Or in being able to invite people in other countries, right, to this AEM, right? So. Again, I go back to what are the opportunities this pandemic is presenting, right? And how can we take advantage of it, right? Why would you travel? And, and imagine we don't have a vaccine, even if, you know, all restrictions get lifted, right? And infection rates are at a minimal, minimum, right? Why would you go 
to a country for a day and a half or two two and a half days quarantine yourself 14 days right then come back here quarantine yourself for another 14 days to so travel for two days you're quarantined for 28 it doesn't even make sense right so i think and even the way we sell right we've figured out that we can sell really well remotely but having said that, it doesn't mean we just seamlessly woke up one day and said, hey, we're going to sell online, right? We had to train our people how to sell remotely, right? But like I keep saying, building relationships based on trust, when you have transparent, open, honest communication, when you are focused on your partner's success, focused on making the partner experience a great one, right? Helping your partner to be successful, giving them the tools and the training that they need to be successful. Your partners already want to make you successful, right? So we've built that trust, trusting relationship, and now we've, we're asking to draw from that trust bank, right? Where they help us, we, we help them, and we continue to sell in a remote world, right? In a virtual world. So yes, it takes, it takes training. It takes learning new skills. But I think going forward, it'll be a blended model. Everything will not be direct sales or face-to-face, -face, right? It'll be a combination of virtual and face-to-face. Uh, Thank you, Sojanya. It was indeed very insightful because we've heard a lot about a lot of people struggling to transition from you know, the typical face-to-face -face sales meetings to now having to deal with uh, remote selling. I, I think beyond the skills that you mentioned that people need to be sent for training, there is also the psychological or personal hurdle that people need to pass through. And thank you for that. So in view of time, I think we can take just one last question. Uh, and then we'll probably wrap up today's session. And for all the questions that were not addressed during the session, we'll have them sent to you, uh, the three of you, in a form of an email. And then you can respond to me and we'll get that uh, updated in our article. So um, one of the participants is asking, um, how do you define engagement of junior employees for leadership training? Shelly, you want to take that? Sorry, what was that question again, Matomi? Yep. So how would you define engagement of junior employees for leadership training? So if I may just paraphrase, I think I saw that question on the Q and mm -hmm. it was it was in a chat box. How do you engage them, right? Yeah, how would you define the engagement of junior employees for leadership training? So essentially, uh, I think Uday asked that question. Any any training that needs to be rolled out, whether it's for your entry level folks or you know uh, a different level, as Sajanya was mentioning earlier, it's very important that what's in it for them and why they need to do it in line with what the strategy of your business is. What is the uh, where is your business headed towards? So, for example, if uh, I, I, I just take my example, if I want to, as an employee, I have come in and 
I need to move to my next level or what training would I need to do my job right for whatever you know role that I've been hired for. So for example, I have just joined a sales organization and in current today's day and age, so that remote selling or solution selling, depending on what my business is, what services or what products you're selling, or you need to define what are the areas that individual needs to develop, whether it's your uh, soft skills or professional skills per se, or um, depending on the size of your business, what are the values or leadership principles? So for example, in HP, we have our leadership principles, we have our values, and we have a growth mindset. So we truly believe that growth mindset is very important for us at HP here, and we have our training for that. So they, depending on the type of training that you need to impart to your employees, you need to you know, bucket them in different areas. Some would be a mandate training, but some would be you need to work on something which is called individualized development plan. So for example, you have a team of five or six. Ideally, if you have sat through with your employee and uh, you've worked with the employee in terms of whether it's entry level or probably two or three years in the system, that what is the next role that you intend to do, or even in the current role for you to do better, what are the areas you need to be working on? Then you define that, you know, areas list down three or four things, and based on that, you would be chalking out a plan. Because unless you don't measure it, the employee won't do it. In terms of if employee is not working on his or her development plan he or she doesn't know what i really need to do it's just it's just a black hole so unless you actually develop an idp is a very individualized development plan is is a very simple document you just need to you know lay down what exactly you need to do as a next step what are your strengths what are the areas that you need to really improve on and then those frequent sessions, probably bi-weekly or whatever rhythm that you feel best fits, depending on each employee. Some employees are very uh, self-reliant. They can do things on their own, whether you need to meet them weekly, bi-weekly, but catch up with them in your one-to-one -one session. Understand how are they you know, faring along those different trainings that you had probably identified. What help as their manager you can actually provide them to you know to be able to take those trainings so Janya or talia do you want to add anything to it yeah so thank you shelly for that um, information and i think that is a a great reminder what i would add um, to what shelly has just said would be uh, recognizing those behavior if you have seen some of these team members i'm sure like to set uh, Shelly's point, some of those, uh, some of them could be more self-reliant. They take charge of their own development. And if you see some of them on your team that is moving towards the direction that you want them to be, recognize those behavior. I think recognition is also very important to call it out. And uh, so that people also understand what it really means and people can sort of be rallied and march towards the direction that you want them to head on. 
Thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Talia. So, Janya, anything um, that you want to share uh, to wrap up our session? I think this has been a great session. Thank you for all the questions. Um, and I know for all the entrepreneurs out there and our partners, um, we want you to know that HP is here to help you. We want you to succeed just like you help us succeed. Um, and if you'd like us to come back for another session, we're very happy to do so. And uh, continue to invest in your employees. You as entrepreneurs will continue to be faced with tough decisions. That's all part of being an entrepreneur. I think um, I can speak because I've run my own business as well. And I'll tell you the toughest role that you can ever have is that of an entrepreneur, right? Because when you make a mistake, you pay for it dearly. When I make a mistake, HP forgives me, right? And, um, uh, you know, and, and trains me and teaches me. But sometimes, you know, you feel like you're, you're on your own. Uh, but remember that you have an ecosystem, right? You have HP to, to reach out to. Um, you have online resources. Um, you know, you can, you can uh, get the information, right? Everything is literally public information. There's, there's a wealth of information out there. Um, network, right, with, you know, other entrepreneurs. Ensure that you are getting, you know, the, the, for your own development, that you're understanding where technology is moving, where the world is moving. Because if you're not constantly thinking about, you know, the next change that you have to make, right, then you're getting, you're actually st stagnant, right? And what will happen is this company and this set of people that you so want to take care of and be responsible for are the ones who are going to face the brunt of a bad decision. Right? So constantly think about how you could get disrupted and stay ahead of the curve. Right? Um, so, so all the very best and uh, please reach out to us if another such session will be useful to all of you. Thank you very Thank much you. and good luck. Thank you very much um, to all the panelists. Um, just before we end, I'd like to remind all the participants, uh, we have a short three-question survey. We'd like to know what you thought about this session because this is actually the very first time the HR expert team from HP is presenting themselves in front of our group members. So we are all very lucky, uh, fortunate today. So let us know what you thought about the session and what you would like to continue learning more from us. Um, yeah, stay safe and um, see everyone soon again. So I would like to um, thank you again, Saujanya, uh, Shelly, Talia, uh, Daphne and team for joining us today. Uh, very, very insightful. I mean, even if you're not running your own business, it also helps us to understand how we can actually better collaborate with others, you know, with all these best practices. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.